And uh, I, I love coming to a church where my five-year-old is upset if she doesn't get a chance to give the bishop a hug. She'll talk about it the entire way home, how, how frustrated and mad she is she didn't get to give the bishop a hug. And I love that, that, uh, you know, she, for the longest time, Sister Ruth, to her, was known as Doc McStuffins. And she told us, uh, she told us about a week ago that she said, Dad, I'm too old for Doc McStuffins. She's Sister Ruth now. And I said, okay. <laughs> um, but I echo what, uh, what Bishop said. Man, I am so proud of you. I, you have no idea. It is, it is difficult to share your pain with people. And um, you are far and away my favorite brother-in-law. So uh, thankful for the opportunity to speak. Um, I, I want to get right into it. And um, God gave me this uh, several months ago. And, and just was a thought that just sat in my mind. And, and it's funny how God will take the situations in, in just your day-to-day life and find something spiritual um, that you can put into it. And you don't think anything of it until a situation arises where you have to pull that tool out of your toolbox and apply it. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. So um, we're going to be on in James chapter 4 and verse 7. And this is a, uh, a scripture that we all are, are pretty familiar with. And it's, uh, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And uh, I want to talk about resistance, and I want to talk about submission, and the two pillars of those things that, are, uh, that, that act in, uh, in the way we live our life for God. So in our pursuit towards God, our daily pursuit towards God, you're going to be attacked by the enemy. It's, it's a fact. It's going, to be, it's going to happen. You cannot come after what he has spent so much time lying, cheating, and stealing, and not expect some sort of resistance from the enemy. It's going to happen. He comes subtle. Um, it's not, he doesn't come with a big bullhorn wearing a sandwich board saying, I'm coming after you. This is my attack. It's subtle. It's something that at first, on, on, uh, at first glance, it very well could be harmless. It could be something that in itself is not sin, but applied the wrong way can lead to destruction. There's, there's hundreds and thousands of churches across the United States that used to preach this Acts 2.38 message, but they let something into their church that at first was harmless but it cultivated, and it cultivated and grew into something that wasn't harmless, and now you wouldn't recognize them. Now they preach a message that's nowhere near anything that's going to get you to heaven, and you ask yourself, what happened? Something got in there, a little pebble got in there, and it rubbed and rubbed and rubbed until it became a blister, and then it became infected, and then it had to be treated. So our scripture text that we talked about today, it gets misapplied um, all the time. People look at the resist the devil portion, and that's what they apply. I'm going to resist the devil, and, I'm going to, and that's, that's what I'm going to, uh, he's going to flee. And then they wonder why they continue to struggle with the same problems and sins over and over and over again. The problem is, is not in the resistance. If you don't couple that with submission, it doesn't work. It's a very specific formula that's given to us in the word of God. Submission plus resistance, and the devil's got to flee. If you don't apply both unilaterally and equally, it doesn't work. So there's a saying that uh, gets applied in sports, and that's an ounce of preparation is greater than a pound of ability. And that same attitude works in our, uh, and, and when we come for living for God. The devil, he, he will use any sort of tools that he can get his hands on, and nothing's off limits. He does not play fair. Your health, your job, your family, your friends, your kids, 
uh, everything that anything that he can get his hands on and manipulate and use against you, he's going to do it. He doesn't fight fair. He's not going to fight fair. Um, and the the problem that we also look at is they say that the definition of insanity is trying is doing the same thing over and over and again and expecting different results. And we also a lot of times we, we if you think about it we do that in our walk with God. And what I mean by that is if there's something that you stumble with over and over and over again, you can't approach your life and your walk with God over and over and over again and expect to conquer that. That's not how it works. And we hold on to our mistakes so much often longer than God does. Once something is under the blood, it's forgotten. So we, we hold ourselves accountable to something that God doesn't even remember. God says it's as far as the east is from the west, meaning... I could walk right now, start walking east, get into a boat and go across the ocean and and keep walking. And I would be going forever and I would never be going west. That's as far away as it is from God's mind. But we hold on to it. And we don't have to. We don't have to keep fighting the same battles that we fight day in and day out. But we choose to. There's times where God has delivered us of something. But we go back to that habit that was resulting in that sin and pick it back up. Because we may have been delivered from the sin, but we haven't kicked the habit yet. So something that I tell my my 11-year-old all the time is, if you're never given the opportunity to do wrong, you can't do wrong. Coupled with that is the perception of wrongdoing may as well be the act of wrongdoing. If what you're looking, if what you are perceived as doing is wrong, it may as well be wrong in the eyes of the person that's looking. Your character is, you only have one chance to have your character. You only have one chance to have your name. And once that's compromised, it's gone. So that perception of wrongdoing, it's about applying spiritual wisdom. And to put it into, into where God really applied it to me, there, there's a reason why in sports a coach will call a timeout or substitute a player because there's been a flaw that's been identified in that game plan that the other team has exposed and is taking advantage of. There's a reason why that coach will call a timeout and, and bring his team over and say, guys, we're getting killed on this side of the court or we're getting killed on this side of the field or we have a player who's not holding, holding their weight on the field so we pull him off and put somebody in. There's been a flaw that's been identified in our defense. Well, when the enemy finds a flaw in our life, it's time to take a timeout and evaluate where did that flaw come from and how do I sure that up? Take a time out, get on your knees and pray, submit and ask God, what is it in my life that's allowed that enemy to get a foothold in? And take a step back and it's just like a coach would do in a timeout, evaluate what is the enemy's game plan? What am I, what are they using against me? Where is my weakness? What am I allowing myself to be around? What am I listening to? What am I reading? Who am I associating with? What am I meditating on? What thoughts am I allowing to linger in my life? What is the game plan that, that is allowing the enemy to have a stranglehold on me? What do I need to get under the blood and get submitted to be able to shore up my spiritual defense? And if I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, I can't expect different results because that's not how it works. So a goalkeeper in soccer, they're taught that um, a shooter, a striker, will reveal that they're going to shoot if you're paying attention, they take about a half step towards the ball and then they're going to shoot. A goalkeeper who's paying attention and, know, and, and knows where their defense is and knows where everybody is on the field, they'll notice that. They'll make the adjustment and they'll be able to make the save. 
Well, a lot of times what will happen when a goal goes in is because you have a goalie who's too focused on the people around him and he's not been able to adjust himself versus the strike of the team that's coming against him. And it's the same application in our spiritual walk with God. If we're not paying attention, if we don't have our eyes up, our spiritual eyes open and aware of what's around us, what we've allowed into our home, what we've allowed into our life, who we've allowed ourselves to associate with, we'll get our eyes off of what needs to be focused on, and then the attack comes, and we go, where in the world did that come from? It was there, but you weren't paying attention, and you didn't notice it because you weren't prepared. So that's why it's important that daily we check ourselves. Am I submitted to what God has put me under subjection into? Is something out of bounds? And if it is, where is it out of bounds? I need to be submitted to the Word of God, the will of God, and the man of God. And if I can't unilaterally do all three of those, something's wrong. So when, when temptation comes or when the enemy comes and I resist, if my submission is not in line, it won't matter. He won't flee because it, that, that, that formula that we read about is not matched up. The submission is the key. And submission is more about just doing what I'm told. It's the attitude behind it. I can disagree with something I submit to, but if my attitude doesn't say, you know what, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I believe you and I'm with you and, I'm, and I know the intent that you have for me, and if I can't submit my attitude beyond that, I'm not submitted. I'm not submitted. I may as well, I may as well be a bondservant. All I'm doing is I'm just doing what I'm told. I'm no different than a toddler being bossed around. So every now and then, I know that I'm not the only person that has this happen, but every now and then I'll be going through life and a thought will come into my mind out of nowhere. And it's something that I may be ashamed of, something I'm embarrassed of, something that, that happened in a moment of weakness. And I'll think to myself, where in the world did this come from? And it just completely catches me off guard. And, I'll, and, and that used to bother me. Used to, I used to linger on that. And I would notice it would affect my whole attitude. My, a day that I would be uh, going perfectly fine all of a sudden, I would start to feel depressed. I would start to feel impacted by that. Until God revealed to me, that's a, that's a subtle attack of the enemy. Your defenses were down, and he exploited it. So understanding God revealing this to me in the word of God, understanding that when, I kept, when, when that, that, that attack comes, I speak it out loud. I say, devil, I recognize what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I'm submitted to the word of God. I'm submitted to the man of God. I'm resisting you. You've got to flee. And is it that simple? Yes. It is that simple. Now, when I, when, I, when I make that resistance and the devil doesn't leave, that's a red flag that there's something in my life that I haven't submitted. And that's time where I have to pull myself aside and say, God, what is in me that's out of, out of line? Is there something that I'm not aware of that needs to be brought to the surface so that I can deal with it? Submit that weak part of me so that way whenever an attitude or a thought or, or something comes against me, I can recognize it, I can rebuke it, and I can overcome it. So, the enemy beyond being subtle, every now and then he's brazen and arrogant. There's people inside this church that will come inside sitting on, in a powerful service and the enemy will attack you and you don't even realize it. And, and I, I grew up in a church that was very traditional, almost to the point of being legalistic. Um, the average age of the church today is over 65. Um, so it, it, was, it was a church that had a lot of history, really good people, but they've become so focused on tradition that they've left the power of God behind. And they're suffering for it now. It's, it's, it's a shell of what it used to be, what I grew up with. 
But part of that, that religious spirit, every now and then, I'll capture it rising up. If something is not going the way that I think it should in the house of God or in a service, if God is operating out of that little box that I put, put, put him in, I'll feel an attitude rising up inside of me. And it used to be I, would, I wouldn't recognize that, but God has given me the wisdom and the, and, and the authority to recognize that, rebuke that spirit and say, that doesn't belong here. Get out of here. And the moment that, that that attitude and that spirit is rebuked, there's a sense of liberty and peace that almost instantaneously feels because that, that space in your heart that that was occupying, the moment it leaves, the spirit of God can move in and take over that hold. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So there's some people in here right now that you may be fighting, you may be broken, you may be bruised. You may have had to come inside this church crawling on your hands and your knees, but you're here. The devil did everything he possibly could to keep you away from here, but he couldn't do it. You are here. So every distraction that he put in front of you, he couldn't stop you from getting to the house of God. So you may, be, you may not be fighting at full strength, but you're still fighting. And it's in times like that where it's important that we recognize the, the, the season and the situation we are in with our life and worship and praise to be able to tell the enemy, you know what, I may be beaten up, but I'm still here. So, um, in closing, uh, I, I want to talk to anybody who's, who's encountering um, opposition from, from other people. And um, this goes a lot with, with, with the, the kids going to school, but it's anybody who deals with anybody who, who could, who, who's really trying to be a person in your way and living for God, whether that's a boss or somebody at school, a, a, somebody, a, a co-worker, a family member, a spouse, it could be anything. And I want to let you know that when in your daily life you see opposition rise up, when people rise up against you, be encouraged by that. It's the enemy that's utilizing somebody else, and he's utilizing that because you're a threat to his kingdom. If you weren't a threat to his kingdom, he would not come after you. He would leave you alone, and you would have no issues whatsoever. But you're a threat, and because you're a threat, things will agitate in the spirit world around you, and people, unbeknownst to themselves, will be influenced by spirits to come and, and, uh, and, and to battle and fight against you. Recognize that if you are encountering opposition with somebody in your life around you, that is the enemy who has targeted you and says you're a threat. Recognize that means that because he acknowledges you as a threat, you are a child of God. Take, take authority in the spirit and don't, don't be pushed around. So the whole idea behind it is it's to distract you and to spiritually detain you if you give it the opportunity to. If I can get my eyes away from the, from the purpose and the focus that God has for my life, the devil has accomplished his, his job. Obviously, his, his, his intent is to kill and to destroy and, and to get every one of us to backslide, knowing that he can't always, he's probably not going to be successful in that. If I can just get you to veer a hair off course, if just a hair off course, and now you follow that new trajectory that you've come in place. Next thing you know, you're going to blink and be completely out of the will of God. And all he did was move you just a hair. So it's in moments uh, when it feels like everyone is against you, that's when God is going to uses you to be able to impact and cause, uh, to impact those who cause friction and strife in your life. And, and give an example. Um, how, how, this, how this really applies and how we recognize when we recognize that the enemy is utilizing somebody and we take spiritual authority over it. My, my, uh, my daughter came home from school 
Um, and, and she was she was she was really upset. And, and you know, she doesn't she's not very open, and a lot of times she won't share. But she was upset because a kid in school was making fun of her because of her clothes, because of her hair, because of the, the lifestyle that she that that she has chosen to live to be able to follow after God. She was upset about that, where the kid would make comments like, you'd be so pretty if you, would, if you would cut your hair. You'd be so pretty if you'd wear pants. You'd be so pretty if you would do this. And it hurt her. It hurt her. She said, you know, she was asking me, Dad, why are people like that? And, and you know, at first, you know, I did what every dad would do. I comforted her. I said, you know, it's okay, baby. You're going to be okay. You're beautiful. You don't need to change a thing about yourself. You don't make any, you know, be happy with yourself. But, but understanding beyond that, it's, it's more than just, happy with who I am, recognizing, okay, wait a minute, that's an attack from the enemy. He's coming after one of my kids, and we're not going to take it sitting down. We're going to fight back. So we prayed about it. We said, God, we, we can't physically do anything to this boy, but you can. I, you know, I would love to. I'm biding my time till he gets 18 years old so I don't get locked up. But God, we can't do anything about the situation on on a on a on a carnal and physical level but God you can move things around and make and and get things that are stumbling blocks out of the way it wasn't but maybe 2 weeks after after that uh that that altercation that my daughter comes home and says that kid has been suspended from school and he's in he's now at alternative school and when he comes back he's not in my class it's because we recognize that it's an attack from the enemy. We took hold of that in the spirit, and we, we, uh, uh, we took hold of that in the spirit, and we took dominion and authority over something that was coming against our family. So one thing I also want to, if, if, if you're ever, because of the decisions that you've made to live and to serve God, if anybody ever mocks you or comes against you for that, rejoice in that because you've been noticed You've been noticed. They've noticed you. They've noticed the, the lifestyle that you've chosen to live. They've, they've noticed that you're a Christian. They've noticed that you've chosen to follow after God. And if they didn't notice that, they wouldn't have anything to mock. People are afraid of what they don't understand. But those, those same people who, who will come and they will mock you and they will ridicule you for choosing to live for God and follow after God, the moment that chaos hits their life, they're going to come find you because they know that you cannot hide real. Everybody who's going to school, you'll go to school with thousands of kids who call themselves Christians, but the moment chaos hits their life, they're going to come find real. They're going to come find that person that's got that relationship with Jesus, that's got the Holy Ghost operating inside their life, and can then be able to know that they, you can touch God on their behalf. They're not going to go to somebody who looks like the world. They're going to come and find you because you've separated yourself and marked myself that I'm a Christian. So people who've discounted you as fanatical, as legalistic, as zealous, they'll seek you out. Your testimony of the way you live your life impacts more, than, more people than you could ever know. I, and I, I know this for a fact because I, the first time I backslid, or the only time I backslid, I should say, um, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was 17 years old. And I was a junior. I, I, remember I, was, a, uh, uh, I was in high school playing, playing football. And I remember I wore pants, uh, and I, I, I lived my apostolic lifestyle to every, everywhere that I went. Um, and then one, one day when I decided to backslid, I came out in a different uniform. And the look of disappointment on people that used to make fun of me almost broke my spirit because they recognized, 
yeah, we were making fun of you, but we respected you because we knew that you stood for something and now you're no different than us. And that stuck with me and I'll never forget it to this day and, I, and I've, I've, I've repented and asked God to forgive me for that. But don't ever let anything affect your testimony. The way that you live your life, the way that you choose to walk and go about your day will do more than words can ever do. Your testimony and the spirit that you walk and enter a room with will do more to be able to open doors, to be able to minister than your words ever could. God bless you, church. Thank you.